The views and opinions expressed by guests on this program are not necessarily the views of Thinking Bigger Business Media, Inc. or its employees. Welcome to Smart Companies Thinking Bigger Radio. Get the inside scoop on how America's most successful business owners transform their entrepreneurial vision into reality. And listen in as some of the top business minds in the country serve up practical advice, tips, and insights for growing your business. Now here's your host, Kelly Scanlon. Good morning. Welcome to Smart Companies Radio. I'm Kelly Scanlon, publisher of Thinking Bigger Business Media. Our guest today is Jeffrey Hazlett. He's a global celebrity and speaker, author, contributing editor, and the host of C-Suite with Jeffrey Hazlett on Bloomberg Television. He's also on Executive Perspective, C-Suite TV, and All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett on Play It. He's the CEO of the Hazlett Group, an international strategic consulting company that's focused on leading change and developing high-growth companies. He's also the author of several best-selling business books, which is why he's here today, because he's going to talk with us about his latest book, Think Bigger, Act Bigger, The Rewards of Being Relentless. Welcome to the show today, Jeffrey. What a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much. Oh, I've been looking forward to this. Anybody who writes a book about thinking bigger is someone that's after my heart. So what does it mean to you to think big and act bigger? You know, I'm from a place where most people only want a map. I'm originally from South Dakota. Yet I've bought and sold over 250 businesses in my career, $25 billion in transactions. I've been a Fortune 100 uh, CMO. And, and if I would have not thought and bigger, I would have just stayed in South Dakota and done a really good business. But I finally learned, hey, I can go do this in Iowa. I can go do this in Kansas. Mm-hmm. I can do this in Missouri. I can do this all over the world. And so it's really about saying, why, why do I limit myself by any boundary? I don't need to do that. And, and by doing so, that limits our business, limits our way of thinking. And more importantly, if we want to think big, which is awesome, it's also about acting bigger, too, because we have to implement. Right. You just have the idea and you don't implement nothing but air. Absolutely. We were just having that discussion the other day. Anybody can have ideas, but it's the people who act on them that actually get somewhere. Um, In fact, on the back of your book, you have in big glaring letters, the most dangerous move in business is the failure to make a move. You can have all the ideas in the world, but again, you don't act on them, you're not going to go anywhere. So so it's all about the, the acting on it. Yeah, I had, uh, yesterday I was meeting with the, the folks that lead the Edison Awards, which are the mm-hmm. biggest awards last year was given to Elon Musk the year before John Chambers from Cisco. And, and again, it reminded me that all the people in the world come up with these great ideas that they never implement, they never act. And if you don't act, if you don't do, you don't risk, and you have to risk. There's no saying in sports, no pain, no gain. And we need to have that same kind of tension in business to where we're taking risk. I mean, for the most part, when you think about the things we do, Kelly is, you know, if we make a mistake, no one's going to die. So that, that's, we just have to get in this mindset that it's okay. I mean, for most of us, the worst that's going to happen may be a paper cut. It may be a paper cut. Right. There's a minor setback in, in the big scheme of things anyway. Now, let's talk about um, why it's critical to create a business identity that you can own. What do you mean by that, and how can a business owner do that? You know, a brand is something, two things. It's something we always put on a cow and occasionally a horse. But, you know, we've come to start using this word for brand for our business. So so what's your brand? It's not your, you know, it's not your logo. It's not your looks. In fact, brand really means it's the identification of ownership on the side of bovine. 
But, you know, now it's really coming to know for what your company. So what is your brand? And when you really, you know, boil it down, it's your promise delivered. So what's the essence, the promise of, of, that you deliver? And then everything else around that should support that, look like it, feel like it. So that's the essence of the brand. You know, uh, I'm a straight shooting kind of guy. I'm kind of known as a part-time cowboy. But I, <laughs> on air, on my TV shows, I wear jeans and cowboy boots. And, you know, they try to get me to wear a suit and tie. And I said, nope, not doing it. I don't have to anymore. And I'm not going to. And, and, and so it's really about living that because, as you know, Kelly, working with so many small businesses and, and big businesses that you do, that when you see the owner walk in, you see the company. And when you see the company, you think of the owner. And, and so it's really about, you know, getting and understanding that identity so that you eat, drink and sleep it and you're delivering on it every day. And that is so true. So many people think that their brand or their identity is tied up in their logo or their colors or, uh, you know, their collateral. And it, it really is about delivering on the promise uh, that, that you're basically the mission that you say that you're about. And that's, that's what your brand is. It's what your culture becomes, too. Yeah, if you want to be a cool, hip tech company, but you dress like Elmer Fudd, it's not going <laughs> to be that. You know, it, you know People, you know, at Kodak, when I used to be the chief marketing officer with companies, would just make it like it used to be. Well, I don't look like I used to 20 years ago. I look better. You know, so it has to be an attitude. It has to be a mood. And, it, and then you have to step into it. So you can't have a carpet that was in the 70s, you know, in, in the hallways. You know, a shag used to be in, but it's, not, it's no longer. And so it's about changing all those things out and walking that talk. And so, so let's get back to the essence of your brand. So, like, I'm pushing right now the C-suite network, which is our big network for executives, mm-hmm. most trusted network for executives in the world. And as we, we have that group, it has to look rich. It has to look successful. And so, you know, I, I even down to the font and the way that we pick it. Now, those things are, are, you know, elements of what we do. But in the end, we've got to deliver the service. We have to be that. And that's what you have to really swallow. Absolutely. And relating that back to thinking big and act or think big and acting bigger, uh, you always hear that old saying that uh, don't dress for what you are today, dress for what you want to be. And whether that's you know, dressing in the jeans and the cowboy boots like you, you're talking about, or maybe it does require you in some instances to wear a suit. But it, it's all yeah. about that. Where do you want to go and, and start acting that way now? So uh, great. I, I love that thing. I, yeah. I love that thing. It's a be what you be what you want to be. See, mm-hmm. cause I, I'm only a part time cowboy. I want to be a full time cowboy. <laughs> So that's awesome. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I think you're well on your way there, though. In the book, uh, in your book, you know, Think Big, Act Bigger, you talk a lot about employee empowerment and giving employees the opportunity to make their own decisions. One of the rules or one of the things that you talk about a lot is the Caitlin rule. Can you explain that to us? <laughs> oh, I love that. This is the, mm-hmm. actually the very first story in my book, probably one of the most powerful ones. And that had a young employee was working with me named Caitlin. I just started, only been around for a couple of weeks. And one of the companies that I happen to be the chairman of, I'm on 14 different boards and I'm chairman and owner of this one particular company. And it's called Tall Grass, which stands for, if you want to run with the big dogs, you got to learn to pee in the tall grass. Mm-hmm. Okay? Mm-hmm. And so we work with very high growth companies and we take a couple of companies public, you know, in terms of getting their PR, the media, their social and their presence and, you know, bigger and bigger and bigger. And um, we're about to go meet with the CEO, and she stops by my desk and says, uh, Mr. Hazlett, should we take color copies of the presentation? And I turned to her and looked at her, and I said, 
I said, Kate, when you're new here, so you don't know all the rules. So here's one of the new ones. In fact, I'm going to name it after you. <laughs> and, it's called, and it's called the Caitlin rule. She goes, well, what is it? I said, well, you get to ask me 21 questions. You can ask me any 21 questions you like to. You can ask me about the meaning of life. You can ask me which tra- a train to take across town. You can ask me, um, where's the best Italian restaurant in New York City? Or, hey, where's the best um, fried chicken place? Is it Stroud? You know, you could ask me anything you want, anything in the world. Is this one of your frickin' 21 questions? And she said, <laughs> I don't think so. You know, I don't think so. I said, well, that's a good career move. But if I have to answer that question, you know, what do I need you for? Because then I went on and said, look, my job is to stand in front of a camera when they flip the switch and talk. My, my job is to hit a mark on stage. My job is to, to, to sit in the chair in front of the chairman of a company and tell them what they've got to do to make their company worth billions of dollars. And your job is to make sure I'm prepared and everything's done for me to get to that spot. So I hit my mark. And if I have to answer that question, I don't need you. And then I turned to her and I said, by the way, you know, you're a superstar. That's why I hired you. You're a big dog. You're going to have my job someday. So I suspect that you have the ability to do this, and I'm giving you the permission to make the mistakes. Let me ask you a question. Do you have time to make the color copies? She said no. I said, then never ask me a question like that again. <laughs> so it's really, you know, it's, it's about, you know, Kelly, as you know, there's so many moments like that where it's these Tyco, thank you, Captain Obvious, moments with, we have with employees, we have with vendors, we have with customers. That sometimes we just got to set expectations, but what I call conditions to satisfaction. So how can you set conditions to satisfaction? Is it here's how I want you to perform? Here's how I want you to do it. Go fill it in. That's what you're hired for. That's what you're here for. And and you need to allow people to go do that. Yeah. Uh, again, if you have to do it all yourself, you may as well just be a one-man show, and there's no point. Uh, and, you know, sometimes I think business owners get knocked for not delegating, but at the same time, I think, as you said, employees need to have the confidence, and you have to create a culture, too, as a business owner to allow that. But you're not going to get that growth. You're not going to be able to act on any of your ideas if you're constantly constrained as a visionary or as a business owner by having to make all these little decisions all the time for for people. So great point there. It, it's funny as I listen to you talk. Obviously, you're very confident. Uh, some people actually call you pigheaded, and uh, I've even heard the word irrational associated with that. But you say that doesn't bother you, and in fact, you said that it's a good thing for business owners to be a little bit pigheaded. Why do you think that? Yeah, and irrational. I mean, I think that's <laughs> our job. Our job is to, to stretch and push. And so when I'm, and, and hold to the hold to the vision, the mission of the core of what we do, you know, to hold the brand elements, to say, this is what we stand for. We're not going to give one inch. You know, I had a television, I do have a television show. It's called the C-Suite. I was going in and and did a show on uh, life technologies. They're about to sell the thermal picture for $13 billion, meeting with Greg Lucier. And I wanted to go into the C-Suite where 99% of the people never get to go. And I wanted to be able to see what it was like as they were selling this company to this bigger company and how people, what goes on in your head. And, and we were shooting some B-roll where uh, it's a place in which we uh, have to sit down with them and, and while they're doing things, shoot video that we can play over later. And we were at a Harvard MBA uh, alumni meeting where he, Greg was here, the, the chairman was speaking. And he, and he put a slide up and he said, you know, leaders must be irrational. I went, what? I, I, and I wrote it down. I pulled my producer over and said, get this, because we're going we're gonna to cream them on this. You know, we're going to get them. And, um, and I wrote irrational down, exclamation point, 
and and I'm thinking, how can it be irrational? It's a publicly traded company. It's a biotech company where they got to be, you know, exact, scientific, mm-hmm. you know, precise. And here he is saying, be irrational. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and uh, that's, that's just nuts. And then he said that it, this is, it, it's, I mean, it stuck with me because I put it in the book, put it in the show. He said, you know, we're down here at point A and we want to go up here to point B. But what we have to do is sometimes we have to tell our employees we're going to go way over here to point C just to get them to B. He said, that's being irrational. And we got to stretch people. Like it's like Kelly. I don't know if you did sports when you were younger, mm-hmm. but or yeah, or maybe today you got a personal trainer. Um, I don't know what you do, work out, whatever. But you know, when I was back in high school and I was done doing sprints, you know, I'm, I'm leaning over about to, you know, get sick. I'm so tired, exhausted. Mm-hmm. And the coach says, "Do it again. <laughs> do it again." <laughs> don't you hate you know? that? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I hated that. Right, right. right. And you thought you're gonna, you thought you're gonna die. Yeah, heart attack. And, here I come. Yeah. Yeah, and you did another lap, you did another sprint, you did another exercise, and you didn't die. And and that's what I'm talking about, what leaders have to do. We have to push people beyond where they think they need to be. And that's why we have to be pig-headed. We have to be, put, a, put a stake in the ground. You're like a dog soldier, one of the most fierce Indians in the world. We put a stake in the ground, and we will not retreat. We tie ourselves to the stake and say, this is what we'll, we're going to be pig-headed about it. Mm-hmm. And then we got to be a little rational in making everybody else join the fight. Yeah, that reminds me a little bit of uh, an entrepreneur here in Kansas City area who said, you know, after a while, you've climbed so high up the mountain that uh, it, the fall is going to kill you no matter how far, far you fall down, so you may as well keep going to the top. So when you put that stake in the ground, like you said, it's, after that, after a point, you've climbed that mountain so high, you just may as well keep going. You may as well keep going towards that stake. So uh, some really good truths there. Now, you have said something, too, about focus that some people might consider a little bit at odds with thinking bigger and acting bigger. Um, you know, a lot of times entrepreneurs are accused of, you know, squirrel, you know, going after all these different things and their ideas are endless and they get, they, they lose the uh, core, they lose sight of the core idea of that stake of the ground that they had set and, and they get so dispersed in their thinking that things start to fall apart. And so how do you, how do you continue to act bigger and, and think of these ideas but achieve that balance of focus and cutting out the noise? Well, you said squirrel, keyword. Because in the book, <laughs> I talked about the movie Up, all right? Because your job as an entrepreneur, your job as a leader in anywhere in the business is to kill squirrels, all right? Not the little furry ones, but they're nice. I'm just talking about business squirrels. Yes. In the movie Up, if you remember that movie, there was an animated character, or dog, that would run up to the old guy that was the Ed Asner character in The Scout, and he, and he was wearing a collar that allowed you to hear what he was thinking. And it would translate it. And he would go, hey, I'm dog, the talking dog. I like you very much. You seem like a very nice person. And all of a sudden, he'd look away and go, squirrel, squirrel. Because he's a freaking dog. You know, he's a freaking dog. That's what dogs do. Well, that's what happens every day in our business. And, and, and we're, we're looking at them, and we think we've got to chase them. Well, we don't have to chase them. You know, I look at my schedule every single day. I look at the, when I get up and I look at my schedule and say, hey, what's on? The big things. Because that's your job, the big things. You got to pay attention. But the big things of you know, focus on the things that are accomplished you and give you the great value, wealth, market penetration, uh, profitability. Um, you know, whatever new customers, whatever it might be, are you doing the things? And so you got to look at your calendar every day and kill squirrels. Nope, don't need that one. Nope, don't need that one. I mean, even if I thought that today not doing this interview was important for me, 
then I would cancel it, mm-hmm. even though it's that important to me and you're, you're that important to be on your show, you know? But those are the things you have to do. You just have to say, because what if I would have canceled it? It would have been bad, but no one would have died. It's really the money that you have to have. When you talk about a company cadence, uh, and we're going through some of these things very quickly because your book hits on so many different things and people are just going to order it and read it. But uh, I, I, in the few minutes we have left, I want to make sure that we hit a few of these other points. And, and you talk a lot about company cadence and having one that really reflects what's important to you as the business owner. Why is it important for companies to have a cadence? Well, if you ever watch a television show, you can see it all the time. You know, what's the cadence of the show? The the mood, the way in which they operate, how fast they are. Is it a fast action pace? Is mm-hmm. it slow? Is it you know drawn-out drama? So think of it the same way in your business. How do you, how do you portray the cadence? Do, everybody, do we walk around fast? Do, do we have meetings and it takes 20 minutes to get set up? Do we you know, go around the room and make sure everybody has to contribute? You know, I mean, it could be something that's important for you. You can just do it faster. You know? So really it is around the action and the, the look and feel, the mood of what I talk about of your business. You know, it's like, you know, how do people respond? People in the office will tell me, it's cold, work harder, you know, you'll warm up. You know? <laughs> you know, it's, it's a, I'm not trying to be mean, I'm just trying to say, you know, uh, just get going, you know, let's get going, you know, and, and, that, and that's really what it's about. So, you know, even the way in which you, where you book the meetings, how you book the meetings, start booking meetings to stand up meetings, you yeah. watch how fast those meetings get done. You know, um, it's those kinds of things. And, and so it's really up to you to set the pace and, and what's your cadence. When, when, a, when an army goes into battle, they go into it at a certain cadence. What's your cadence? Mm, I love that. And you've given me a great new line now, the, you know, work harder, you'll warm up. I love that. Now, you also, <laughs> it's great. I also um, saw where you were talking about using your competition to get ahead. A lot of companies are a little bit fearful of the competition, but you're, you talk about embracing them and actually using them to, to get further along and to grow your business. Talk yeah. about that. Well, you need an enemy. You need an enemy. Now, the enemy might be time, might be money, might be other things as well, but, but uh, your competition is a good one. And people say, I can't tell you the number of businesses that, you know, they come to me to fund uh, because we do do that. And they'll come and say, well, we don't have any competition. Well, if you don't have any competition, nobody wants your product. So that means nobody sees value in going into the space. If no one sees value in going into the space, I'm not giving you any money mm-hmm. because there's nothing, to, you know, there's nothing for me. So what is your enemy? What is, what is your, you know, um, your competition, and it, and it very well could be time, could be efficiency, could be savings, could be growth, could be a lot of those other things. So you make sure you're very clear about who your enemy is and, and who your competitor is, uh, and sometimes they're one and the same. Yeah. And, and, the, and by the way, and the, and the bigger, the better. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's better. I mean, just, you th- again, think bigger, you know. The, the bigger it is means the more money that's there. Let's let's wind this up with the concept of a servant mentality. You hear, you hear a lot about servant leadership. Uh, what does that mean, and how can it help all of us to become a better leader? I mean, you can be a servant, but you can also be aggressive and think bigger. How do you reconcile the two? Well, I'm here to serve others to help me get better. Mm-hmm. So what can I do for my employees or for my customers? Certainly, I question my customers. You know, I, I, I always like it when I walk to a restaurant and they know who I am, and they, and they put my scotch down right when I'm ready to sit down. But I don't even have to ask for it. They just know me. That, that, that tells me something. They're taking care of me. I like to take care of my customers that way, and there's great value. I tip them not 15%, but 20 or even sometimes 30% because 
because they're giving me a great experience. They, they're taking, they're, they're putting me in the right mood, the right frame. You know, scotch does help. Uh, but <laughs> always. Is, it, yeah, always does. But, you know, the other thing is go back to your employees. I'm, I'm constantly looking at my employees. What can I do to help you do your job better? You know, that servant mentality of, of taking care of them. And then not to mention, you know, I clean my own bathroom. That's one of the things I do in all the offices that we have. I go in and clean them because mm-hmm. if I'm cleaning the bathrooms and people see me, there's no other job that anybody can bitch or moan about if I'm doing that one. And, and, and I do that to symbolically show. Now, I, we have people come in and clean all the time, too, but, but I do it symbolically so that people see that, look, he's, he's taking care of the smallest of details to make sure that we have a good environment. Well, maybe I should pick up the paper when I see it on the floor. Maybe I should run a little faster to answer the phone call or help somebody at the door, whatever it might be. I think that's, a, that's just a good, uh, a good deal. Oh, so true, so true. And, uh, uh, you know, you, I, I firmly believe that you shouldn't ask people to do something that you're not willing to do yourself if you need to do it. And a great example there with the cleaning your bathroom of all things, because that's probably top on my list of things I don't like to do. Jeffrey, we're out of time today, but you have oh. been wonderful uh, as a guest. And if anybody would like to get your book, uh, what do they do? Go out to Amazon.com, go to your website. All, all the above. The website, hazel.com, but you can go to Amazon, you go to Barnes & Noble, Books a Million, you can find it on Audible. It's everywhere. Okay, yeah, just Google Think Big, Act Bigger, and uh, it should come up. Thank you again for being our guest today, and um, stay in touch. We'd love to have you back. Let's do it again. Absolutely. And if you'd like to learn more about how to grow your business, please visit our website at ithinkbigger.com. Follow us on Facebook, Thinking Bigger Business Media, or on Twitter at I Think Bigger. Have a great weekend. We'll see you next week. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.